0: Live from our man caves in Hawaii and Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild, where Blem, Poopus, and Mike D bringing the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS on American soccer. Let's get it going, boys.
1: Welcome to season two, episode seven of MLS Gone Wild. This is Blem. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's your boy Poopus. Welcome back to
0: another episode.
2: This is Mike D. Hope everyone is doing well and staying healthy. We have a very exciting episode. Kudo for you guys, and I'm super pumped to get into it.
1: So, On tonight's episode of MLS Gone Wild, our guest was the first ever homegrown signing for Atlanta United. He is the youngest American to ever start in the USL. He has represented the U.S. national team on multiple youth levels. The native of Powder Springs, Georgia, has been on a tear for Indy 11 since the USL restart. Arguably one of the best playmakers in the USL. Definitely the player with the most drip in the USL. Andrew Carlton, welcome to MLS Gone Wild.
3: Uh, what's poppin', yo? I appreciate the, the drip comment right there. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Of course, man.
1: How are you doing today?
3: I'm chilling. Uh, we just had practice this morning
1: and um, hit the gym, you know, and, and that's about it. Just been hanging out yeah. the rest of the day. Nice. Yeah, you guys are prepping for that big game next Wednesday against Louisville? Yeah, it's nice to have, like,
3: a first kind of, like, week off after having like a lot of games back to back to back. Um, so it's nice to get some time to prepare for the game. You know, playing Louisville is always a good one. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Cool. So other than what I just said about all those accolades in your, in the intro, Andrew, tell our listener, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, so yeah, I
3: mean, you hit it pretty, pretty good on the nose right there. Um, you know, I, I grew up in, uh, Potter Springs, Georgia, uh, lived in Atlanta my whole life. Um, you know, signed so with Atlanta whenever I had just turned 16, um, and then I've been up here this past season um, with Indy 11, um, and yeah, I mean, I play soccer. I like clothes and I like music, so that's that's me.
1: What's uh, what's your favorite music? What do you listen to?
3: I listen to rap. Little Baby's my favorite.
1: Okay, cool. And uh, only other question, Drew, I actually, have...
3: actually, it's funny though. Drew Connor's been trying to get me into some more um, exotic music that. It's slowly growing on me, but having uh, to stick with my roots. But Drew's trying to try to transfer me to some alternative music.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so before we really get into the the interview, Andrew, you said you know you grew up in Powder Springs, Georgia. You've been in You know, you've been living around or in Atlanta and playing in that area your whole life. Has it been weird for you transitioning and going to Indianapolis?
3: Uh, no, not really. I mean. I traveled a decent amount when I was younger, like with the youth national teams and stuff like that all the time and like living down in uh, Bradenton in the uh, residency program. Um, and, you know, like up here, you know, Coach Rennie and the, and the, the guys in the team really like took me in well whenever I got here and made me feel like at home. And, you know, it's been a great environment. You know, the, the guys in the team have really made it like as easy as it can be to, to move up here.
1: That's great. I'm happy it's been an easy transition for you. All right, Andrew. Let's get this uh, shit started. So, first question.
0: So, prior to Frank DeBo- DeBoer's departure from Atlanta United, uh, Atlanta like Atlanta United put up goose egg the whole MLS's back tournament. So, what were your thoughts about the whole performance of Atlanta United in the MLS's back tournament?
3: Um, I watched a couple of the games. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't been there to be like around the team to really see what's been going on, in training and everything. Um, you know, they they really from my point of view, they didn't have that like spark or that like, you know, creativity in the final third. There wasn't like a lot of excitement looking like in the games. Um, and, you know, I guess that's, I, I mean, it, a lot of it, I guess, goes to coaching because, you know, as a coach's job is kind of to get the guys, you know, in sync together and rhythm and, you know, set the game plan up. And they just kind of look like there wasn't that game plan that we had in like 2018 years or last year a little bit or 2017. Um, whereas like every game going into, we knew exactly what we were doing. And um, but I mean that's just
1: from an outsider's point of view. Now um,
3: I don't know exactly what the reasons were behind that. But
1: so during the tournament, you know, obviously in the first couple games of the season, they lost Joseph Martinez you mentioned that they were lacking creativity in the attacking prowess that we saw in 2018 when you guys won the cup. Do you think that probably yeah. had something to do with it? I tend to think that
3: that did have a little bit to do with it. Um, yeah, I mean, whenever you lose one of the best scores, if not the best, in my opinion, the best score in the league, um, you know, it's always going to be a struggle to really, um, to make up for that. I mean, it's virtually impossible to make up for that, but, you know, I think guys like Pity and Barco, who are really good at, you know, finding those, you know, through balls or crosses or whatever the situation is, I think they almost, like, were overthinking, trying to, like, do stuff themselves because they knew they didn't have that guy like Yosef there to be able to to help them out or to be able to, to finish the pass so that they give or make those runs. Shoot, they might have been missing your man bun power out there to be <laughs> I mean, shit, I don't know if my man bun really has much to do with things. But that's a good <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Andrew in a matter of two years Atlanta went from being one of the most dominant teams in MLS history winning the 2018 MLS Cup under Tata to then losing a number of key players as we mentioned getting a new manager and looking like a team that was struggling to find an identity under Frank Boer. what were the main differences between Atlanta United under Tata versus Atlanta United under Frank DeBoer
3: um you know, I think we, I mean, with Tata, we were always like that South American, like high press, go in the ball back, and when we get it, we play soccer. And, you know, I think we almost like suffocated teams whenever we would play them, especially at home. Like, we are all over teams from the first whistle to the last whistle, no matter who we were playing. You know, we tweak a couple things here and there depending on who we were playing against, but it was always that same, like, yo, we're going to go after these guys today. And whenever Frank came in, um, there was a change of style, um, and we went from that high-pressing get them team to almost like a, you know, wait for our moment, and then whenever we get their ball, kind of control the game, um, which is a more like European style of play, um, and I think with the players that we had, it just didn't really fit. I mean, these guys like Yosef and Pitti and Marco, they want to go and press and press and Leandra at the time, um. And our players were set up to do that. And whenever Frank wanted us to, you know, wait for our opportunities to press, and then whenever we get it, it wasn't like, all right, we're off the goal now or we're looking to score. It was, uh, you know, let's get the ball and knock it around a bit and keep it. Um, I think that was the, the biggest difference. And I don't think a lot of the players really bought into Frank's style of play as they did with Tata.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, I think that a lot of people thought when they brought in Frank DeBoer that he was going to complement that style of play that you guys had brought to prior years, and it just didn't seem, like you said, that that was the case. So do you think that maybe Frank DeBoer was a bad fit from the start? Um,
3: I don't think he was a bad fit. It wasn't like his his style of play was bad. It was – I think it was more of that he didn't have the players that wanted to play that way. And whenever the players don't want to play that way, it causes friction between the coach and the players. And whenever some players aren't agreeing with it, it starts to, you know, the players that do maybe agree or want to play like that start second guessing, all right, should I listen to the players? Should I listen to the coach? You know, and there's just a whole bunch of like cracks in the game plan that start showing up and making a di- big difference over the course of the season or a season and a half that he was there.
1: So something guys I talked on a couple podcasts ago we talked about you know whether you should bring in a coach and we we're actually talking about Atlanta and their coaching situation of whether or not you should bring in a coach and bring in a coach that is going to work with the players and style of play that's there that they're comfortable with and that they've succeeded with rather than bringing in a coach that like Andrew just said, is more of a European style and trying to coach these guys at a press, press, press. But, you know, um, you're trying to coach them to be the complete opposite. So, you know, granted, you know, not saying his style was bad, but when you yeah, – I don't know if the ownership really took that into consideration. But you can't – with the team that was just that successful, you guys just lost all these players, but you still have a core group of, of players, and majority of the playmakers are South American guys you got to bring in a coach that's willing to work with the strengths of the team. And I don't think Atlanta necessarily did that.
3: You know, I would agree with you. I mean, I I don't know how much I can say on that. I mean, that's not really my responsibility to hire a coach. So.
1: um, Oh no, definitely not.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I I, would partially sort of agree with what you're saying there. As much as I can agree without everybody blowing up about what I have to say. but. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: because what we've seen from your your games that you've played, at least since the restart, you know, you're a very attacking-minded player. You're ready to go forward. You're ready to sprain the counterattack right off the jump. You're not a guy that's going to sit back, although your defense has looked a lot better since the restart. Um, You know, you you are similar to, you know, the PT, uh, the Barco, the guys that are just ready to go. Um, so I would almost say that Frank DeBoer's style didn't necessarily fit you either as the quality player that you are.
3: Yeah, yeah, I could <laughs> I could, I can agree. I mean, again, like, I can't, I don't want to like bad talk the guy or bad talk the club or anything like that. Um, you know, I think they, they had some ideas in place that they were looking to try to implement and that they just didn't really work out the way that they hoped, um, You know, I think one of the things is that under Tata we were a little bit sometimes vulnerable in the back. And so I could see why maybe they're trying to bring in somebody that can kind of tighten that up a bit. Um, And then it just didn't work out. I mean, like, not everybody's a great fit in wherever they go. And so I think that's just really the main thing.
1: Right. Let's just hope that Atlanta Atlanta United gets it right in this next (laughs) go-around. We'll see. So, talking about your time in Atlanta, a lot of people question your maturity and your level of professionalism because of the incident the night before the 2018 MLS Cup, and also forgetting your passport for a trip to Canada. Sorry, Andrew, for bringing it up. Uh, you know, you're 20 years old, and when that happened, you were like 18, I think. At 20 years old, Mike D and I, we made the same exact mistake. We played Division Three soccer at Virginia Wesleyan, at that point, college, uh, we snuck into the NCAA tournament. We went up to play in Pittsburgh. Uh, I was injured. Mike D didn't make the roster. So we were staying in the hotel. And you know what? We were like, there's an Applebee's right across the street. Let's just go get a drink. Like, I can't sleep in a hotel anyways. Like, let's just go grab a beer or two. And somehow, so we took a picture and somehow it surfaced, uh, similar to you. You know, you got spotted on Snapchat. Um, so, you know, those situations happen and those situations happen and we can all you know, grow for it. But additionally, you know, as the first homegrown player for Atlanta, there's also a shit ton of expectations for you. Yep. So speaking of both the expectations and the two prior situations I just talked about, how do you deal with criticism on and off the field?
3: Um so I have a few answers for that question. Perfect. Um number one, yes that there was a hundred percent on up to all the the immaturity, the mistakes that I made in my career, I learned from it. I've matured. I mean, I'm the most mature 20-year-old you're ever going to see nowadays. And I think that's, like, the most important thing for me is that I learned from my mistakes. And, like, I moved on from that. You know, I'm working harder than ever in my career to try to, you know, get it back to where I want it to be. Um. Second of all, I did not forget my passport. I never had an opportunity to speak on the situation.
1: Yes. I did not
3: forget. So, since I've never had an opportunity to speak on the situation, I'm not going to say a whole lot about the situation today, but I did not forget my passport. Okay. B, have you guys seen a video of me out and about before MLS Cup?
1: I haven't. It was an article, so maybe, is this this fake news? Do you know anybody that's seen a
3: video of me out and about before MLS Cup?
1: Uh, no so maybe we
3: should question what all we see correct
1: yeah now i did do
3: something to get me in trouble before mls cup 100 percent. however what is out there in the news world and the soccer world and all that is not 100 percent correct
1: oh all right and so what was the last what was the last part of that question uh so you have a lot of expectations is the first ever oh, yeah
3: yeah um so the way i deal with criticism is you know i've been through the ring i've probably got bashed more than 99 percent of the world at my age and you know at at the start you know i kind of took it to heart um you know it hit me at first and then like i kind of just grew up and realized that people are going to say whatever they're going to say i have people heckling me every single tweet that i make from now on um and so now like i kind of just embrace the the villain in myself that people have drawn me out to be and so you know I kind of enjoy that what you guys or what whoever wants to say about me I mean I'm my own person I enjoy my life and you know I love playing soccer every single day now and so like I could really care less what someone has to say about me as a player or a person
1: yeah hey we're not trying to bash you but we're just trying to bring these things to light so what you just shared with us is very important you know, to, yep. you know, you're advocating for yourself. Some of these things didn't happen, you know, don't always believe the news. You know, I didn't see it. Mike didn't see it. poopus didn't see it, but no. you know, we read about it. Maybe it's not a real thing. So Andrew, thank you for clearing the air on that. Um, and I'm happy sure. that you do. I'm happy that you are embracing that, that inner villain, even though you're not the villain, um, but it's kind of what they hey, portray. That,
3: that kind of motivates you, you know, and, and, you know, there's a time where I really wasn't like enjoying soccer. I kind of like, lost the love for it almost because of like certain things that were going on in my life and so one of the ways that i kind of like rediscovered myself was just like that motivation of like proving people wrong kind of being the the bad guy that you know comes out as a good guy on top that's kind of my like that was at the time where i was really struggling kind of my like driving determination to keep myself going
1: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think at least for, I think all three of us co-hosts, I think we've all gotten to a point, too, where, you know, we question, we're like, you know, is soccer really the thing? And then something just snaps back, and it's like, you know what? I'm motivated. Something just kicked me in the ass. Let's get this thing going again. And, uh, yeah, but we, I mean, it's, we, not,
3: it's not always going to be unicorns and rainbows. And so, like, that's one of the things I've kind of learned from my time, is that there's going to be times where you really got to put your head down and, like, grind for it, even whenever no one really believing in you or, like, none of that. And so that's really like what I've had to do the past
1: like year and a half. So I know all about
2: it now. Hey,
1: respect, man. Respect.
2: That's super cool. I learned that lesson way too late in life. I went through (laughs) situations in college that I lost the love for the game at that level and uh, ended up eventually leaving uh, the collegiate level um, because I always knew that I played the game for fun and it just wasn't fun anymore. So I, I totally, you know, now that I'm, I'm 27 now and at the time I was, you know, 19 and I look back on those moments and I'm like, you know, I, it, it sucked at the time, but I'm definitely stronger from it now and take those those little pieces into my future and, and how I approach life now.
3: Yeah, for sure, bro. I mean, it's like it, it's as much as you, all of us love soccer. It's so easy to lose that love for the game whenever, you know, you're not playing how you want to play or that, you know, the coach is doing this or the, players are doing that or whatever the situation is. It's so easy to lose that love for the game unless you like stick to your roots and play the game. Like how you know it's supposed to be played without worrying like what everybody else is thinking about it. And that's why I just sit here,
0: drink beer, drink tequila, and watch soccer. That's all I
3: do. <laughs> Still got some more time before I can do all
0: that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So quickly, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors added time Outfitters. Right.
0: We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtic's 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? at time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands that let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible, elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each added time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters.
1: Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for sticking with us. Head over to addedtimeoutfitters.com for your soccer-specific <laughs> wristbands and stickers, to, and use the promo code Gone Wild. No space. G O N E W I L D. Gone Wild at checkout to receive 10% off your entire order.
2: So, Andrew, since making your first career start for Atlanta United's first team on May 20th, 2017. You have bounced back and forth between Atlanta United's first team and Atlanta United 2. In your time with the first team, you only played in 11 matches and starting just two. How important to the development of your career has it been to get consistent professional minutes while out on loan at Indy 11? Uh, Brad, I mean, it's been
3: huge. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, it's something I needed in my career. You know, I'm 20 years old now. And this is really my like first season getting like consistent games, um, and so you know Martin Rennie, um, you know he's been great with me up here so far, and like has given me the opportunity to show myself and be able to to play again. You know, being able to play week in and week out, I think like in my game it's starting to show the uh, consistency that you can build up whenever you're not going from playing a game, you know, once every three or four weeks to be able to play week in and week out. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to get your form and like connect with players and build like a chemistry, like with Tyler Pasher or Illich or Drew Connor, guys like that. Um, you know, it's been really good. I have really enjoyed it so far.
2: Yeah, I can, I can totally understand how getting into form with consistency of of minutes is is a thing for sure. So yeah, uh, something that I want to just touch on briefly that I mentioned in the in the first portion of the question is that start that first career start for you. What was that moment like for you, you know, subbing on for Miggie and receiving a standing ovation and a sold-out crowd as you come on in the 85th minute for your first MLS game? Tell us about that moment. Uh,
3: bro, that, was, that was a crazy moment. Um, I remember I was sitting there or standing there at the halfway line, like, waiting for running to get off the field. And I, like, looked down at my hands, and my hands were, like, shaking. I was, like, so excited to get out there and, like, get on the field. And I remember as I was, like, running on, I was still like so nervous. And I remember as soon as the ref like blew the whistle to like start the game, it was like everything just swished and I was like, all right, we're just playing soccer. And like all the nerves went away and everything, but it was like the coolest thing how I went from like so nervous to the next second, like just like, all right, but we're playing soccer. Like, this is great. Um, And you know, that was really one of the coolest moments of my life and something that like I'll remember forever, like being my debut and everything. Um, Looking back on it, it was one of the coolest nights of my life.
2: Can only imagine, dude. I'm getting chills just hearing about it. I can. Yeah, I get, I'm getting I'm just talking <laughs> about it too. Can't even think about that, how it would feel. But that's awesome, dude.
1: Yeah, in a in a sold out Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's got to be absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it, it, uh, it was Bobby Dodd at the time. Oh, I was Bobby Dodd. Okay.
3: Yeah, I was back at a Georgia Tech before. Uh, I think it was another two months. I think before Mercedes-Benz was opening.
1: Okay. Still sold out, probably.
3: Yeah, there's fifty six thousand <laughs>
1: people there, I think. Yeah, so. I I know how those Atlanta United fans roll. So <laughs> Mike Mike D just talked about you subbing on for Miguel Almarone. Miggy's a great player. You've played with Joseph. You've played yeah. with uh, in the US men's national the US youth national team, Akinola, who just emerged for Toronto, Toronto FC. Who's the yeah. best player you've ever played with?
3: With uh Phil Foden.
1: Phil Foden, okay.
3: Yeah, I played with him back at uh, Man City whenever I was uh, thirteen. Um, oh shit! We were best friends over. We went school together. We were best friends over there. We still like talk and keep up to this day every now and then. Um, but I mean, as I mean, as of like playing with somebody at that moment, who was the best player? It was probably Amara. It uh, was the best player like I played with. Um, but like as of where he is today, it was Phil Foden.
2: What made him okay. so special? Huh? What made Miggy so special?
3: Uh, bro, he was he was just a freak. Like <laughs> he was so like small and skinny, but like the fastest dude. Like I I I keep saying I want to see him in like Tyler pasha race because like I, I don't know who would win, brother. Built pretty <laughs> similar, and they're just so like small and just rapid. Um, but his. His left foot was sick, too. Like, it wasn't like he was just, like, fast dude. Um, he was so good at getting, like, out of small situations or tight situations and, like, just making stuff happen. Um, it's funny because he couldn't kick the ball from me in my room with his right foot. But his left foot could do everything. Um, it was so cool to watch.
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Almarone was a great player. Uh, If you listen to all of our podcasts, I talk about Miguel probably every other podcast and how great I think he is and how great he's doing at at Newcastle. So you talked about him and Tyler Pasher racing. Um, So you've been arguably one of the best playmakers since the USL restart. You have three assists and you have Indy 11 sitting atop the table on 19 points. All three of your assists this year have been to Tyler Pasher, who now has eight goals on the season. What makes your attacking partnership with Tyler so prolific?
3: Uh, It's the part ginger in our hair uh, connection. That's (laughs) what it is. That's the whole secret. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to convince him to grow it out, but he doesn't. I mean, most guys don't really like to listen to me. Um, I mean, I don't know really what it is. I mean, he's just always in the right spot. It's kind of like what I was saying earlier about how, like, Pity and Marco are missing that, like, Yosef factor. Um Pastor's just like our version of Yosef. Like, he's always in the right spot. Um, you know, he's good at timing his runs and finding those areas. And, you know, that's one of the things, like, I pride myself on is being able to find guys in those attacking thirds or attacking areas. Um, and so, you know, it's just it's just worked out well for us. Like, we've got a good chemistry going, and it's fun to play with. Them.
1: Yeah, it, it looks fun, man. I, you know, we posted yesterday on Twitter and Instagram the video that came up of you uh, with, the, with the, like, side foot or back heel flicked and then getting the ball back on the outside and then playing in a perfect ball to Tyler Passer, back stick, and he one-times it in. Um, yeah. You know, and then your most recent game with your one-time, um, you know, pass over the top, uh, you, you just did say that one of your one of the things that you pride yourself on is being able to, you know, find guys in those spaces in the attacking third. And, you know, we talked about you really – Showing out in these past since the USL has restarted, and that's the thing that has really made you stand out and make you look like the most dangerous player in the USL. But like I said, you guys sit atop the table at 19 points last year. Indy Eleven before you got there finished third in the in the entire USL Championship table. Do you think Indy? Yeah. Do you think you guys in Indy Eleven can take the whole thing this year?
3: Yeah, I mean like. We've, we've said it since the first day I got here that our goal was to go out and win the championship. Um, and, you know, I think that's what, like, a, a team like Indy 11 should be striving for. Um, you know, whenever you come so close like they did last year, I remember, like, watching the highlights of the semifinal game versus Louisville. Um, and to be that close and be able to not win it, I don't think you should have any other expectations to the next year not to come back and try to win. Um, that's something that we've talked on since the first day I got here through the quarantine break and, you know, since we've restarted, like, that's when our goal since day one is to try to go out and win it all.
1: Hell yeah, go get yourself one.
3: Ooh, I might need you guys to fact check this though. So, um, just like a random thought I've had is that um, I've won a national championship at the club soccer level, the um, academy level, I have an MLS cup, debated or not but I have a ring um, <laughs> and a USL um, championship would be at, that I've won a national championship at every level in this country do you think there I mean I don't know if you guys would know or could find out if there's anybody else that could say that
1: we'll look into it and anybody it that's listening please check into it and let us know <laughs> but that sound that's need, remarkable a check on that
3: because I will do double the work to try to win it if not <laughs> <laughs> yeah all
0: right man so following your one year loan do you think your play style was a good fit for Atlanta united or do you think you could make a bigger impact for another mls
3: club um i mean i think i could make an impact no matter what mls club i, I play on um i think every mls not trying to like sound like some arrogant player but i know the capabilities that i have and i know that all All soccer teams are looking for someone that can score and create goals. Um, You know, I wish in this country that young players were given more of an opportunity, like how Brendan Aronson has been given at Philly or Paxton Pomichol at Dallas. Um, Because, believe it or not, there are so many of those players across the country at any age group that can come in and be given confidence and given the opportunity, not just, hey, here's one game and just sit on the bench for couple months um but saying here here's three four games in a row our bet our starting number 10 is hurt so go take the opportunity and show what you can do um i think there's so many of those players around the country at you know my age and even younger than me um that are you know craving for that opportunity
0: yeah so i mean we talked about that like past episodes like earlier in our like uh season that we the first season what we had we talked about that giving more younger players a you know, more opportunity to, you know, show what they got. Because, I mean, yeah, a lot of these players, they, they pretty much come from overseas and stuff like that anymore for the MLS. So why not give, like, these young American players more more attempt to better their careers and maybe get a chance to go overseas, too? So I, hear, I hear what
3: you're saying about that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I can't really say too much on the situation. I would just say if you look at our U-17 <laughs> World Cup roster, um, from the year that I think was 2017. Um, if you look at the players that went to Europe versus the players that stayed stateside, where they're at in their career, I think it says a lot about the situation. Good.
1: Yeah. yeah, I agree. And giving your younger players a chance to play not only develops them as professionals earlier, uh, it also gives them exposure to do exactly what you just said, to get overseas and play somewhere over in Europe. Yeah. And so, so Pupas asked if you, know, if you thought that your play style would fit the, the Atlanta United system, depending on whatever coach comes into there. But how would you best describe your style of play? Um,
3: I mean, I'm just really like a creative, like attacking player. I just I feel like I play soccer how the game is meant to be played. You know, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable and fun to watch. Um, you know, I like to take risks. I like to, you know, take players on. I like to try passes that most of the time won't come off, but whenever they do, it's a highlight clip. You know, and that's what people like come pay money to come watch. Um, I think that's. I mean, nobody comes to watch somebody pass the ball side to side a thousand times. Um, I think that's like what I bring to the game is just that creativity and that like spark.
1: Yeah. And, and speaking on players passing the ball side to side, I pulled up some stats from, I think it was usl.com. You don't pass the ball side to side. 34.8 of your passes go forward. Um, and that's the majority of your passes. So you're constantly looking to create attacking chances uh, like previous examples that we brought up about you giving assist to Tyler Pasher. It's, it's what you do. It's what you're comfortable doing. You're, you know, you're able to take risks. You like to run at players. Like you said, there are a lot of MLS teams out there that are looking for a player with that prototype. Yeah,
3: yeah I mean, like, in my position, if I if I, uh, if I, I complete every single pass I make throughout the whole game and I don't have an assist or I don't have a goal, people look at it and say, oh, know, yeah, he played all right, got a decent game. If I get the ball away 10 or 15 times but I have a goal and an assist, then everybody probably played great, like, look what he's doing. And I think that's one thing that's, like, not taught enough in this country with like attacking players is that like, if you look at Alexis Sanchez, you look at guys like Neymar. Bro, look how many times Neymar gave the ball away in the semifinal the other day.
1: A and lot. he was the
3: best <laughs> player on the field by so far. Yes. And they're, they're not paid money to keep the ball. They're paid money to make something happen. And if I have to try 10 different times to make something happen, but it happens one time and we win the game 1-0, that's how the game is.
1: Preach, man. Preach. <laughs>
3: <Really>
0: appreciate it. <laughs> All right, man. I got another question for you. So you started your career in MLS expansion city with MLS plans to continue to expand and in 11 planning on building a soccer specific stadium. Do you foresee Indy 11 becoming an MLS expansion team?
3: I know that they want, we want to a hundred percent. Um, You know, with, as of six months ago, I would have told you, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. But with like COVID and everything that's gone on, I literally have no idea what's going on in the country of soccer right now. Um, I just think there's so many like moving parts right now that if I would say yes or no, then um, I really don't have enough information on that to say <laughs> one or the other. Um, I know that the team and the uh, the team, the club, and the fans all really want it. Um, I just don't know when it will be, yeah. if it will be.
1: Do you think that they would be a good fit for the MLS?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, up up until, like, the coronavirus and all that, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to play a home game here before it all kind of started. Um, you know, they were getting 10, 15, 20,000 fans a game. At a USL level, it was really, really good. Um, and, you know, I think if you put in a soccer-specific stadium, like how Louisville has, um, with you know 20,000 people capacity it would be a sick atmosphere to be in. And you know, even now we're getting, you know, a few thousand people even with all this going on, you know, socially distanced and everything.
1: So let me ask you, since you just brought it up, do you think that there should be fans in the stadium?
3: Bro, that gets into politics and all types of other
1: stuff.
2: <laughs> not even gonna dive into that direction.
1: <laughs> I respect it. <laughs>
2: So, following your um, your recent performances at Don't Tread on at Don't Tread Soccer, a U.S. Men's National Team account tweeted, "Quote: Andrew Carlton is officially back on my U.S. MN, excuse me my U.S. Men's National Team radar. He never left, but he's back on. As a player who has represented the U.S. Men's National Team or U.S. Men's Na- National Youth Teams at the U15 through U20 level, how important is it for you to get caps for the senior team?" And what do you need to do to ensure that that happens for you? Um,
3: I mean, honestly, I'm focused on, you know, playing here in Indy and getting back my like club soccer career back on track uh, where I want it to be because, you know, how men's national teams works is that, you know, depends on how you're doing at your club and what club you play for determines if you get those caps or those opportunities. Um, and so for me personally, I got to get my – club soccer career where I want it to be and then start worrying about national team stuff. But I mean, it definitely is a goal of mine down the road.
2: Yeah. I think that I keep working hard. And I think that a lot of people have mixed emotions about you. I've seen on Twitter, I've seen on MLS.com, but uh, from what I've seen, uh, I think it would be one of, one of the coolest stories to come out, you know, if a rejuvenated club career and then just escalating from there all the way up i think that would be something awesome to hear and something awesome to see and you know we had it here first at mls gone wild it would be
3: dope (laughs) everybody wrote me off when i was like 19.
2: yeah it's
3: too young bro i remember i I used to use it as motivation so much that i would like look my name up on twitter to see what everybody was talking about just to sit there and be like yes screw managers this screw that and using that as like motivation. There are people that I will not do a podcast for because, or any, like I will not even like, if I go back to land or whatever situation, if, if certain people there want to do interview with me, I will say no, because <laughs> there are so many people that like, when things were great and this and that, would say all these brilliant things about me. And as soon as one thing happened, one mistake that I've learned from, I've grown up from, and I know that I did wrong, just completely threw me out the window. Said all this terrible stuff about my parents and the way I was raised, and all this stuff that like uh, that that type of stuff motivates me. And to see all that negative stuff, like I think it would be one of the greatest stories because of how written off I was six months ago.
1: Yeah, and Mike D, you said the word rejuvenated in uh, in relation to Andrew's career, and I think that's a really harsh word it's not a harsh word but it's a harsh word to use in Andrew's situation seeing as you know he's you're still 20 Andrew yeah I just turned 20 yeah and you've been getting this criticism for a while now like at 20 years old in the position that you're in I don't think you're rejuvenating your career I think you're developing your career
3: yeah for sure I mean there there's a I mean it is a rejuvenation in a way just from an outsider's point of view but for me personally like I, you know, I've just focused on day in day out, you know, growing as a player and as a person. And you know, I think being here in Indy's been great for me to be able to have that platform to be able to show myself on a game field, um, and in a professional setup and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of growing that I still have to do as a person. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I've matured so much through the tough times that I know a lot of people in a couple of years that. You know, it was all rainbows and unicorns at 19, 20, 21 and everything. They're going to get there and they're going to be like, bro, I don't know how to react to this. Like this is the first time I really felt like standing my back's against the wall. And I've already done that now at 17, 18, 19 years old. So I think, you know, looking back on it, bro, I've learned so much from all the negative stuff.
2: Yeah, Blake just wanted me to look like a dick, that's all.
1: <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't. No, just... How not many
2: people will, will want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was searching for the word. and It was the first thing that came to mind, but, um, I it run, isn't
1: it? yeah. And, and, you know, Thank like, you like, like Andrew just said, you know, from an outsider's point of view, you would see it as a rejuvenation, but from Andrew's point of view, you would see it as, you know what? I'm not the, you know, the villain that you guys paint me as I'm still a 20 year old developing yeah. soccer player. That's, you know, gonna uh, get, people, gonna will see get me,
3: people will be seeing me wear funky clothes and say, yeah, his head's not on the soccer game. Like, bro, what kind of correlation does that even make? I can't express right. myself as a person off the field the same way I express myself on the field as a person. You want me to come in with a blank t-shirt and some khaki shorts to prove that I'm ready to play a soccer game? Like, bro, there are some stuff that I've seen that I'm just like, wow, bro, this is the way y'all spend your day is
1: yeah. tweeting this at me. Yeah.
3: Like, right. it's nuts.
1: So since you just brought it up, uh, there was a question that I sent to the boys earlier and I wasn't going to ask it, but you just brought it up. You know, a lot of teams show up in suit and tie or, you know, shorts and a blank t-shirt. How important is it to you to be able to express yourself through what you, what we would call swag, but you would call drip, you know, you're a couple of years younger than yeah. us.
3: <laughs> I mean, you could call it dab too. I mean, swag. <laughs> dab. I mean, that's where dab like originated. Dab was like the way like you dressed is another term for swag. Um, But, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, back in Atlanta, we'd wear a suit and everything and look, like, all, like, prestigious and everything. You know, I wasn't really against it. I mean, it's a clean look. But, you know, I love showing up in my, like, outfit that says, like, yo, like, this is me. Like, this is the same shit you're going to get on the field as you get off the field. Um, You know, I like to express myself through my clothes and and that type of stuff. And so, you know, for me, I I love a field where I can just, you know, Look good, feel good, and play good through like the
1: whole day. So that's awesome. <laughs>
2: that's right, When You look good. Yeah, you you're definitely gonna play good. Exactly, bro, exactly. All
1: right. So, Poopus, Mike D, do you guys have any closing thoughts or questions for Andrew?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that this has been an awesome interview, Andrew. You've been you've been great. Brought us a lot of insight. Some insight that a lot of people may not have heard before. And uh, I'm super excited to see what you and Indy 11 continue to do and and what comes for you in your MLS career. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate, you know, you doing this interview with us. I mean, we've had a bomb-ass time on this show so far. So appreciate
3: what you do and just keep on doing that shit. So Hey, I appreciate appreciate you all inviting me. This is the first one of these I've done in a while, so I was happy to be back here. (laughs) And spread nice, some huh? new news as well. So I'm happy you guys got some fresh news to start it
1: all off. Yeah, you, <laughs> shed, you, you shed some light on the truth, man. That's what you got to do. You got to advocate for yourself.
0: And, and respect.
1: All right. So to our listeners, we had Andrew Carlton. Uh, he's on loan to Indy 11 right now from Atlanta United. It's on a one-year one, one year loan. Uh, again, Andrew, thank you for being there. We look forward to watching you continue in the USL Uh, through this year, and we look forward to watching this next game uh, next Wednesday against Louisville. Uh, I think all the games are aired on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, maybe ESPN Plus, I'm not sure, but we'll be tuned in from here on out. Uh, We'll probably end up buying a scarf. We've all gotten jerseys from Ford Madison, uh, a USL team in Wisconsin, and we interviewed Hayden Partain in San Antonio, so we got one of their scarves as well. So, an Indy 11 scarf is, is coming next. Your guys' jerseys are kind of dope as well. Yeah, uh, you got good. The weight ones, the weight ones. Yeah, those are dope.
2: Yeah, my uh, jersey.
1: Yeah. But anyways, Andrew, thank you for joining us. This is MLS Gone Wild. You guys, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, MLS Gone Wild. Uh, subscribe rate review and listen on apple podcast spotify wherever you guys listen until next guy until next time you guys stay home stay safe stay healthy andrew take care and good luck from here on out brother
2: appreciate it guys wear a mask